The Amazing People Podcast, episode 39. Welcome to The Amazing People Podcast, where ordinary people from all walks of life do amazing things in life and business, with your host, Chip Dizard. Thanks so much for joining us for this edition of The Amazing People Podcast. We are right at episode 39, and I have made the switch uh, to a new um podcast host i know you probably can't tell the difference but i really support um this new host that i'm with i moved from a podcasting host called libsyn and i'm now using buzzsprout so if you're looking for information about buzzsprout you can go to my website chiptazar.com slash buzzsprout and that is an affiliate link but what you want to do more importantly tell them that chip sent you they'll take good care of you a guy named jared there and um like I said, I really, really like them, and I appreciate them for supporting this podcast. I'll have them on soon to talk about uh, just their company and, and the hosting and things like that. So, again, this podcast is sponsored by Rode Microphones and the Digital Ministry Academy, which I have the Podcasting for Pastors uh, course up there. And um, I strongly support Rode Mics. I'm using the Rode Mic at the time of this taping. It's the NT two usb mic and i really really like the sound and i like uh just the portability and i like the look of it so this will be out in september so when you're hearing this podcast uh if it's in august still of 2013 uh 14 i'm sorry and you will uh be able to buy this microphone uh about the first or second week in september so thank you to rove send me mike and always good gear uh to me and my colleague over at our web video chefs we we really really appreciate that so without further ado we're going to go into our next segment uh from our friend muta Moenya. and today he is going to talk about his epic failure it, it reminds listeners and reminds us all actually that even though we hit bumps in the road that failure is not your disqualification i'll say that again when we hit bumps in the road failure is not a disqualification you know thomas edison did he say that uh, I think it famously, I need to look it up, but he said he's tried 10,000 ways that it wouldn't work, you know, um, you know, so Thomas Edison, if he can say that, I know we can keep on trying. So here's Muta with his segment, uh, The Unrelenting Optimist. Hey guys, this is Mutamwenya from Mutamwenya.com, a blog that is dedicated to unrelenting optimists who know there is a big God who can use little us to accomplish big things for his glory. I have a little story for you guys. I was in a car headed to the university. My friend was an adjunct instructor and he had asked me to come and teach a class on business communication. He was somebody who I really respected. Um, we were peers, but I really didn't want to disappoint him. I was sure everything was going to be okay. Uh, I'd spoken in front of audiences before, yet there was this weird sense in the air that I just I couldn't shake. You know, I was reviewing my notes on the ride up, and uh, when we finally made it, we headed off to his class. Uh, and this point, I reached the point of no return. I was committed. I was going to present in this class as he had asked me to. Uh, he, he stood up and got the class started. Then he gave such a great introduction of me. I mean, this guy set me up to be a rock star. I pulled out my phone where I had my notes, and to my dismay, 
there was no signal. All of my notes were on the cloud. And for my friends who may not understand what that means, my notes were stored in internet land and I had no internet connection. No biggie, I thought. Um, I got this. Then three minutes into the presentation, I went blank. Nothing. Dead air. I was so shocked that I could not even come up with fillers as I tried to jog my memory. If you'd asked me my name in that moment, I probably had forgot that too. Here I was, in front of the class, introduced as the expert, and now I was looking like a plum fool. I had disappointed the students, I disappointed myself, and most of all, I felt like I had embarrassed my friend who was their instructor. So, why did I tell you this? Because this was early in my speaking career, and I thought about never speaking publicly again in my life. Seriously, I was about to pack it up and call it a loss. But, as you can see, or for those who don't know, I decided otherwise. But I wanted to share with you a few lessons, a few valuable lessons that I learned that day. The first and foremost is obviously keep a backup. This is not something that I honestly do all the time, but it's something that I have to remind myself to do. Uh, With technology comes technical difficulties. I mean, technology is a beautiful thing that adds tremendous value when it works correctly. However, it is not a silver bullet. The next thing I learned is be well prepared. Practice, practice, and practice some more. I mean, my style that I've developed now is even when I'm speaking from an outline, I write out my entire presentation in a manuscript form. With that, I can reread it the way I want it to sound multiple times. I didn't do that that day. I was just reviewing my notes. After that experience, I've learned not to trust my memory, even on a subject I know much about. The next thing I learned is, don't be so hard on yourself. Listen, not every speech or presentation or sermon you give will be your best message ever. Do your best to be prepared, but if if you forget a point or transition, it's not the end of the world, unless you're giving the prescription to cure Ebola. Learn to forgive yourself in that moment. Chances are, the audience doesn't even notice. And to build off of that, my, my final point is that if this ever happens to you, and I pray to God that no one has to go through what I went through, in that moment, I've Come up with a little idea. Tell everyone you had something planned, but you feel compelled to switch things up. Tell everyone to write a pressing question about the subject on a piece of paper and pass it to you. Because this way, you get to address their most pressing questions or concerns on the topic. Okay, maybe that would be asking for more trouble. But if you ever try this route and it works for you... I want to hear about it. Here's the bottom line. We all have an epic failure at some point in time in life. But listen to this. Your failure is not your disqualification. Learn from it 
then get back on the horse and ride that thing until you reach your goals like a true, unrelenting optimist. Thanks for listening, guys. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter. I am Mutamwenya, or catch my latest post on Mutamwenya.com. That's M-U-T-A-M-W-E-N-Y-A.com. Catch you on the next segment. Thanks so much, Muta, for that. I really, really appreciate that. And for those out there, you know, who, who get discouraged about failure, just know it is never final. It's all how you look at it and how you bounce back. So I want to talk to you today. Well, I don't want to talk to you. I, in this episode, I interviewed Ebony Green. And Ebony, uh, she's out of Atlanta, Georgia. She's lived a lot of places. She's a PK. That's a pastor's kid for you all who don't know. She's a media consultant digital content creator and training guru and program authoring wizard. And Ebony has a company called 2020 uh, Visionary, but she, more importantly, she is a creator for what can happen with the church. So what I want to mean by this, she's worked with brands such as McDonald's, Sony, Universal Music Group, Ford, uh, Boost Mobile, uh, just a lot of different uh, corporations. But she is bringing this, her knowledge, skills, and ability to the church. So she presents, she speaks across the country on social media, on digital strategy. And in this interview, you're going to get to know her. And I really, really want you to pay attention because she drops some good information, especially at the end of this podcast that I said, Ebony, man, you're dropping this information. This could be like a seminar right here. So without further ado, let's go into the episode and the interview with Ebony. Hey, Ebony, thanks for coming on the podcast today with me. Thank you for having me. Hey, I read your bio and, you know, I saw your website, really like your website. I know you're PK. Now tell me a little bit about your background. Um, I know a lot of PKs don't they sometimes they shy away from church work or doing church work because they they've been inundated with it. Tell me about your background. Um, I am a preacher's kid that was raised by theologians. So much of my childhood was sitting at the dinner table debating, you know, religious philosophy. And I was always the kid that was like, but why, why, why can't we do that? You know, where did that rule come from? Who made you the bishop? And uh, of course, as many PKs do, I spent a few years away from the church, um, definitely experienced my fair share of church hurt. But, um, you know, really in that time, uh, strengthened my own relationship with God and and, uh, God blessed me to do a lot of great things and returned to my roots and decided that I wanted to take that experience, those great experiences uh, in my career and uh, use them for uh, kingdom purposes. Good, good. Now, tell me about, um, you know, you know, you've been traveling to to all over the world. Tell me about your 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 project, the digitalgreatcommission.com and your background with traveling with major brands. So um, uh, I've been blessed to visit uh, five out of the seven continents. Uh, Most of my travel has been paid for by work. For media work, people pay me to travel and create content for them, which is a huge blessing. Um, and uh, I've, you know, lived across the country between L.A., New York, Chicago, North Carolina, and of course Atlanta, um, creating uh, content for brands like Coca-Cola, Lexus, Home Depot, Unilever, which is Axe, Dove, uh, all that good stuff. 
And um, I just realized that I was doing all this work for all these brands and I was I was learning how these companies really amplify their product and, and extend their reach and can reach so many people with this thing called social media and quality content. And I looked at what the church was doing and there was such a huge gap. Um, and I said, well, why am I doing all this work if it's not benefiting, you know, kingdom purposes? And that's why I decided Digital Great Commission was something that I needed to do. It's what I, you know, I believe it's one of the things I've been created to do, which is to travel and, and teach pastors and ministry leaders um, how to not only create uh, quality content, but also how to distribute it, how to engage people online and how to, you know, use social media and those different channels to um, talk about the things that we talk about to extend the reach of their ministry. Um, and people get so, uh, I guess, not frustrated, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to deal with just looking at. It. It's like, how do I, you know, harness the power of Facebook? How do I harness the power of Twitter? And I really make it my business to break down how easy it is to make those things happen um, and to use those tools for ministry purposes. And with these, with your experiences with the, the Coca-Colas and Unilevers and, and, and things like that, uh, you see how business and social media and just how business is done on, on, on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. And I, did you get any pushback when you bring this to churches sometimes? Because they said, that's the world. This is the church. And I mean, do you get, get any pushback? Yeah, I get pushback because they don't understand why they need it. They don't understand why they need to utilize it. And you know, I say again and again, if your church, if your ministry is not online, you're going to cease to exist. You know, you're, I, I talk to so many churches who are dying. Their congregations have, you know, are filled with people who are 60 and up. And they're like, we don't need social media. And I'm like, if you don't get social media, you know, who, where, where are you going to get that next generation of people? Who's going to carry on this church's legacy if you're not reaching the people or the young people where they are and where they are is on social media. And so really trying to reframe their mindset and help them understand, you know, you have to, to uh, harness this power. You have to be on social media. You have to utilize these channels as a way to extend the reach of your ministry. Otherwise, you know, you're, you don't look like a modern ministry. You don't look like something that young people who are tuned in and have access to information quickly, immediately, that's not something they want to be a part of. If you're not plugged in, if you're not modern, if you have no uh, technology and, so, and, and media components, then, you know, how are you going to get these people in your church to continue the legacy? It's imperative. Mm -hmm. and that That is so, that is so, so true. So what... What really inspires you to work with churches? Because I know working with corporate is, is another thing. And, you know, churches sometimes, I know how it is because I work with them too. So budgets aren't what they are. I mean, we know, we know. I'm just being honest. So <laughs> we know everybody wants a deal. Every, you give a quote right. and people come back and say, wow. You know, right. <laughs> so, right. you know, what inspires you to c continue to work with churches? Um, They need it. They need it. Uh, and, you know, thankfully... I make enough on the uh, secular side to finance most of the ministry side. And so um, I was meeting with the church late last year 
and I gave them, you know, the tiers. For two thousand, you get this. For four thousand, you get this. For six thousand, you get this. They wanted the six thousand, but they wanted it at the two thousand price. It's you know, it's it's it, that's what happens every single time. They want everything, but they only want it for this much. And you know, it, it comes down to why I do it. And so, um, it's a it's a it's a struggle, uh, but it I have to do it. I have to. Um, show these ministries how easy it is um, and how much time it doesn't take and how much money it doesn't have to cost uh, to get these things done. If you just get the the baseline tools, the baseline strategy, understand, you know, what it is that you're pushing out and how you can push that out and, and really just follow the plan. It's not that hard. And, uh, and, and, and teaching them that is, is just something that I'm passionate about and, and, and seeing that kind of light in their eyes, like, oh, I, I can do this. We can make this happen. That's, that's, that's what makes me do it. Mm -hmm. and, and from my experiences too, Ebony, I'm seeing that, that when you, and let's be real about this, it's, it's even biblical, you know, First Timothy 5, 18, where, you know, the, the, where it says the, um, a worker is worthy of his wages or a workman oh, yes. is, you know, <laughs> you know, that, oh, yes. that voice, right. That verse right there. But I'm realizing just with the church I was at last Sunday and it's really about leadership, right? Does it come down to leadership and I, they don't have to be, you know, the guy who I know is a friend of mine. He's not, he's not young, but yeah, he's not too old. He's in his forties, but he knows that he has a, a brand new church, not brand new church. He's taking over a church that is dying and he knows he needs to get a website, you know? And there are a lot of pastors. Don't you feel that, that, that need to push and need to push this from the pulpit that we have to be online? Well, I mean, there are, but there are still hundreds of pastors who don't understand why they need to be online. And so I think getting down to uh, the level of understanding why mm -hmm. is important. And so when I go and I teach my workshops across the country, I start with the why. I, I start with the example of the printing press. The printing press was not invented for the purposes of distributing the Bible. Um, I think it was over 75 years later that they took the printing press and started printing the Bible and distributing it. And now it's it's across, it's all over the world. Same thing, social media was not created for kingdom purposes, but now it's time for us to take that power of social media and push our ministry out and push Jesus, push redemption, push power, push, you know, blood, you know, we need to push that stuff. Um, and so really helping them understand why they need it. And it's not for me, it's, you know, I tell pastors and ministry leaders all the time. It's not just, you don't just need a Facebook page. You need, um, excuse me, you don't just need a website. You need a website and a Facebook page at the very least. If you don't have anything else, just please have that stuff and please update them. Thank you. Um, but, uh, it, helping them understand the why, helping them understand that, you know, when people search for their church or they search for ministry to join, they're, they're searching on their phone. And if you don't pop up, you're not getting found. And if you're not getting found, no new people are coming to your church. And guess what? That church is going to close. So, I mean, let, I just, I have to break it down to them and be honest with them and say, Hey, you have to get on board. It's not an option. It's social media, being having a website, being on Facebook, being able to be found on Google. That is imperative. You have to do it. And you and 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 you went right into that. The why I love on your website when you talk about you know about developing a digital strategy and developing your brand and consider your what, but your why. And and you're right. A lot of people just put things up 
just to put it up and right. not really having. And to me, that's more of a corporate philosophy kind of background. When I when I hear when I read that, I said I, I can tell just because my background in corporate too. I said you know what? That's somebody who knows corporate America and has worked <laughs> in the strategic planning. Yeah. You know, and not just yeah. we're gonna throw something up just because. Right. You know. So um, tell me about. Um, about about your you talk about your why uh, give me some tips um, at least some practical tips some some churches who are listening to this can 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 find their why I mean how can they you know we they, everybody wants increased membership that's right. the thing everybody wants increased giving uh, everybody wants you know more more but how can they find their why um one thing that I tell them to do first off is to um really talk about and really flesh out what their church offers. What is what is so special about your ministry? Is It is a ministry that what? You welcome uh, new families, young families. You focus on building strong families, building communities. You have a strong youth ministry. What is, what is the thing that people will experience when they come into your church? Is it, is it a worship experience? Is it a praise experience? You know, and then how can you articulate that through the social media channels that you choose? And so I say, who are you targeting? Do you need more young people? You might want to be on Instagram and Snapchat and these other places. Are you targeting women, which of course we know are the backbone of every church? Women bring their families, women bring their children, women bring their husbands. Uh, <laughs> and women, women are leading the way, and so you know be, that means you need to be on Pinterest. You need to build campaigns that are on Pinterest. But when we start talking about building these campaigns, we build them off of what your unique selling point is. And so, um, for example, my father's church. Um, is uh, full of people that I grew up with. And so um, the the kids that were there when I was four or five years old, we now make up the majority of the church. And so the unique selling point is that I get to grow and I get to minister to and be ministered to, to by people who are like me, that grew up with me and that understand my struggles. And so when we start to build uh, the media surrounding what makes our church and what people can expect, we build that around that that experience. The fact that you know we're made up of twenty eight to thirty five year olds who are, who have young children who are putting their kids through school, through elementary school and through middle school, and facing challenges of single parenthood and things like that. And so you know we talk about those challenges. We talk about the things that uh, that we're dealing with, and that's what we put on our social media channels. And so whatever it is that your church focuses on, what people will experience. Like I'm always looking for. I'm looking always looking for two types of churches one that still lines hymns because i'm an old school uh 31 year old <laughs> okay and and i'm a, i'm always looking for a church that worships i love uh, going into churches where they cut the music and there are hundreds of voices just singing singing to god singing in worship and so if that's what your church offers, then you need to be pushing out media about worship or you need to be pushing out media about traditional worship or the tradition of hymns and things like that, the power of those hymns. But it all goes back to what your unique selling point is. You have to determine that. And once you determine what makes your church great, then you build the media off of that. And then you push it out on the channels to get to the people that you're looking for. Wow. You just gave a tip that's probably worth more than $6,000 right I'm there. I'm telling you. I'm <laughs> giving a 
to you for free. Oh my gosh. If you were hear this, you just broke it down so it could be ever be broke. <laughs> but no, no, no. From the corporate American standpoint, I, I know this in a unique selling proposition. You know what I mean? And that's where I hear it from, what I hear it in my my head. And and it's and it's so true because you know, I'm thinking of my church. Why were we attracted? I have I have a young family, and we moved churches because my young kids didn't really have a place for them. So, but when I was young, younger and married, that church where we were was was perfect for me. But once we got little people, it was like, why you leave? Why? You leave? Well, it's because it wasn't for us. We kind of we liked the worship, but we we're focusing on our on our family, and that church marketed toward families kids church pick up and um it's so true and a lot of people just say oh we're just for everybody you should just right. come right right the other, the, the other thing is what i caution churches to do and, and here's another free tip Good. do not speak kjv don't speak king james version on facebook and twitter because that's not that's not the language of the people that you're trying to reach make it plain break that thing down like break Break it down so that people understand what love means to them, what redemption means to them, what the power of the blood means to them, for them, for the changing of their lives. You can't just be quoting KJV and expect people to come to your church. You have to say it in such a way that says, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm dealing with. Let me come to you so that you can minister to me in my situation. It's not going to happen with King James Version. And, and and basically, how can you help me on Monday morning or right. or, or Tuesday afternoon right. when I'm struggling right. with something, right? Right. It's extending the ministry. It's extending it beyond the sermon. So you preach to them on Sunday and you preach to them on Wednesday. But what are they getting Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? You still have to be engaging them. You still have to be speaking to their lives and to their situations so that they're constantly engaged and so that you're part of the conversation. When you start speaking in church language, you're interrupting the conversation. You're just throwing something at what they're already talking about. But if you're talking to them the way that they're already speaking, you become a part of the conversation. You become a part of the conversation of the things that are going on in the world. You insert peace and you insert love and you insert joy, but you insert it in such a way that you're part of the conversation instead of uh, interrupting the conversation. Wow, that that that's 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 powerful right there. Well, one final question for you, Ev. When do you ever see, I mean, do you see churches, I mean, I know that this is what you do, but when you see churches that are struggling and that you, and then get it, do you say, wow, I mean, how long does it usually sometimes take for churches to like get it, to, to really move from, from that point of like no clue to a clue? It depends, man. I have had, I mean, across the board churches, I have churches that call me in. I have churches that I have to call again and again and say, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to pull the trigger? Um, I think it just takes um, understanding and sometimes, and I have to know my audience, which is why me being a preacher's kid works so well, because I understand the difference between, you know, the old AME church. I understand the difference between the Missionary Baptist Church, the Pentecostal church, Kojic. I, I, I know the whole range of it. I know how to speak to a young pastor. I know how to speak to an older pastor. And so... Um, I'm, I'm grateful for my background and I'm grateful that I'm able to speak to those different situations. But, you know, at what point do they get it? 
it, it just depends on where they are. It depends on if they're looking at the money that they have to spend or they're looking at the impact that they're about to make. If they focus on the impact, if they focus on the fact that they can reach more people, save more souls to the kingdom, get more people engaged and possibly back into their sanctuaries, really doing good work in their communities, then they get it. If they just look at how much money I'm quote unquote charging them, they don't get it. And so it and, and so I, I have to break it down so that they understand that they're about to make kingdom impact and they're about to 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 start a movement in their community and a movement in their neighborhood. But you know, it just it depends on what they look at. It depends on who I'm talking to. Am I talking to the pastor or the finance chair? It 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 just it just depends. Yeah, yeah. I know that's a, a broad a broad question. I was just thinking that sometimes churches can move on stuff quickly and then of course you have something that can take years and some not really do yeah, anything. It, it, like I said, it depends, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, people like you and, and Jason Caston who's doing great work. Um, just people who are really helping churches understand the importance of media and the importance of media presence, um, can really work together to spread the word. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and let these churches know, like, don't get left behind. Don't be behind the curve. We're out here teaching you and mm -hmm. showing you what you need to be doing. You're going to look up in a couple of years and it's going to be too late. Nobody's going to be offering you free services. Nobody's going to be traveling across the country to stand in your pulpit and, and show you what you need to be doing. Let's go ahead and get on board. Let's, let's do what we need to do. Let's be the revolutionaries that we need to be. Yeah. Great, great word. And, 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 you know, and I, and, and in this space, you know, there are not a lot of, you know, even of us and even African-Americans that, that, that right. do this. Right. So, I mean, we could look at each other like, Oh, they're competitive. I never looked at Jason like that. I was looking no. at Jason as a asset, people like you as an asset, because I know that, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, exactly. and exactly. you know, we, we have to sharpen each other because it's hard out here. It seems it like you could be one person talking to a multitude of people who don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. well hey thank you for your time what is how can people contact you if they want to hire you if they want to uh, get in your head because you gave so many free tips I think people need to talk to you in, <laughs> in person or on Skype or, or on Twitter or Facebook how can they get in contact with you uh, on Twitter I am ministry in media uh, ministry the letter in media of course my website is digitalgreatcommission.com uh, Facebook page is Facebook uh, backslash digitalgreatcommission you can always email me at ebony at ebonygreen.com. That's E-B-O-N-I at E-B-O-N-I-G-R-E-E-N.com. Great, great, great. Any final words that you want to say to anybody who's listening, who's discouraged? You know, I have a lot of people who email me say, hey, I'm so discouraged because my pastor or my my my, my trustee board doesn't want this whole technology thing. Any any final words for anybody to stay encouraged? Um, I'll, well, number one, uh, you're fighting the good fights. <laughs> uh, uh, tell your trustee to, to Skype me. Uh, <laughs> I would love to, to spend 20 minutes explaining to them and helping them understand why this is imperative. And, you know, uh, the, I guess the, the last thing I really want to say is we have to do this. Churches and ministries have to do this. We have to be a part of the population that exists online. There's so many... Um, different uh, spirits there's so many different products there's so many different things getting pushed out we need to be pushing out Jesus we need to be pushing out forgiveness and love and redemption and and everything that that includes why we got saved in the first place and why we love God in the first place and so you know let's decide together to be part of the conversation 
Wow, that is powerful. Thanks so much, Ebony. I can go on and on. I have more questions. I've just been writing, writing, writing furiously. But I said, you know what? I'll leave and I have to bring you back on. I want to respect your time. Only want to take about 20 minutes up. But no, this is perfect. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you.